Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm today's host, Kelsey Lee. This week, we are presenting part two of Amazing Grace, Machine of Government, an original work by Daniel Hines. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Nate from Starkville, Mississippi, and his family, Phil and Sophia Greeley and their family, Siri and Greta Nelson and their family, and Gio and Olive and their family. Thank you for helping to support our show, Olive, Gio, Greta, Siri, Sophia, Phil, and Nate. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Grace is warm in bed. With a contented little grunt, she rolls and wiggles into a more comfortable position. It's so soft and warm. Maybe a little too warm, if she's being honest. She tries to kick off the blankets, but they're tangled around her legs. Okay, now it's definitely too warm. Hot, even. Grace struggles harder, but she's hopelessly tangled. She opens her mouth to call for help, but the blankets are wrapped around her face, too, and all she can do is thrash. There she is, says a voice from a million miles away. Grace isn't sure who it is, but she thrashes harder, trying to escape, but only succeeding in tangling herself further. The heat is getting to be almost unbearable. Sweat drips from her every pore. Her suit's on fire! Cut her out! Grace hears the cool slice of a knife through fabric, and her legs are free. A second later, she hears it again, just above her face this time, and cool air flows in. She takes a deep, whooping breath, and then someone squirts a breathing gel into her mouth and drags her across the field of smoldering, spongy turf. Every inch of her body cries out in pain. Grace! The voice is gentle, and the hands that cradle her face are gentler still. Grace, it's me, Delion. You were in a crash, but your ranger suit's parachute saved you. You must have passed out from the smoke. You landed too close to the crash, and your chute caught on fire. Don't try to talk. Just lay back and we'll get you to the doctor at Standing Stone. Grace tries to sit up, pushing Delion's arms away. No! No time! Bakken is going to fire the... (coughs) She slumps back, too weak to argue. Delion and a well-muscled woman with silvery hair load her onto a stretcher and then trundle her back towards a waiting solar skiff, just big enough for the three of them. Bakken! Later. Right now, we gotta get back to Standing Stone. Bakken's goons will have seen the crash, and they'll send a team to find you, dead or alive. Let's make sure that doesn't happen. Grace nods and half sits up, leaning against the cushioned seat of the skiff. When it takes off, she's jostled and winces with the pain of her whole body bruise. Rose, can you give her something? The silver-haired woman nods and peels a thick strip of sticky bandage from a med kit. Smiling down at Grace, she pushes the bandage against Grace's forehead. Instantly, Grace can feel the cool relief roll through her, making her pain nothing but a distant memory. The world swims and shimmies before her eyes, and suddenly her eyes are too heavy to keep open. Rest now, child. Rest, says Rose, letting Grace lean against her shoulder. I'm not a child, Grace wants to say, but she slips into a deep and peaceful sleep instead. So, you're finally awake, says Delian, leaning against Grace's door in the makeshift standing stone medbay. We were getting worried that you'd slept through our story's exciting conclusion. Grace smiles and motions for Delian to take the seat next to her bed. Me? Miss the end? Never happen, says Grace. I've been awake all morning working on a plan. Delian sits with a sigh. Grace, there's only one plan. We get everyone together and we move to Ducato. Bakken's won. It's time to stop pretending like he hasn't. He hasn't won. I'm still here and I'm not giving up. I'll never give up, especially not to a bully like Bakken, and especially not when a moon full of life is at stake. Delion stands and walks to the window. 
I was like you once. When I moved everyone here to Standing Stone, we've been fighting in this battle for... I was like you once, when I moved everyone here to Standing Stone. We've been fighting this battle for almost a year now, and what has it gotten us? A life of hiding in the woods like criminals on our own moon? You were our last hope, and Bakken gunned you down like he guns down everything that gets in his way. We're beat, Grace. Just get back on the Walden and get out of here before Bakken decides to do something worse. Grace swings her legs from the bed and rises shaky to her feet. She's still sore all over, but she stands tall, eye to eye with Delian. I thought you were a leader, but it looks like I was wrong. Goodbye, Delian. Grace shuffles out the door, one slow step after another. She hears Delian calling her as she makes her way down the hall, but she ignores him, and he doesn't come after her. Outside, it's early morning, and Standing Stone is packing up. She sees families piling their belongings into crates and carrying them onto a planet hopper shuttle, everyone preparing to run. Grace! Grace! It's the two girls she taught the song by the fire, running up to her, tears in their eyes. They say that Bach can beat you, and now we have to leave Lotaka forever. Is it true? Are we giving up? Grace squats to their eye level, doing her best to hide her grimace as pain shoots up her legs and nestles in her thighs. Do you want to give up? No! The girls chorus. Grace reaches out and takes their hands in hers. Then don't. Do you remember the song I taught you? They nod. Good. Then go sing it to Delion. I think he needs to hear it. The girls each give her a parting hug and then scurry off. Grace shuffles her way back down the path to where Chips has the walls in waiting. Enbridge has ordered our immediate termination, says Chips as she slumps into the pilot's seat. We're to turn in our gear and blasters and cease all Eco Ranger operations immediately. Is that so? says Grace, firing up the Walden's engines. It is. Would you like me to set the course? I can't tell you what to do, Chips, but I'm not going back to headquarters. Eco Ranger or not, I can't let Bakken get away with this. But the law. If the machine of government makes you be an agent of injustice, then I say break the law. Chips considers that in silence for a moment. I'm sorry, Grace, but I can. Call it stubborn programming, call it an overactive duty chip but I'm taking the Walden back to headquarters. I'm the captain here. You were a captain. Now you're a criminal. Chips, you know Bakken is in the wrong here. How can you say that? If Bakken is wrong, then they'll sort it out at headquarters. By the time we get there, he'll already have killed this moon. We don't have the authority. We are the authority, Chips. And we have the obligation to protect the millions of creatures, large and small, that make this world their home. I have a plan and I need your help. Grace, I can't. Grace stands on shaky legs. Fine, then take the Walden back without me. They'll find you and arrest you if you don't come, Grace. They'll certainly try. Grace staggers to the cockpit door and pauses for a moment. You sure about this, Chips? It's the law, Grace. There's the law, and there's what's right. And they aren't always the same thing, Chips. Grace staggers down the ramp and back to the edge of Delion's forest. Across the plain... She sees the solar skiff they use to pick her up from the crash. It's small, about the size of an antique car, and the solar-powered propulsion makes it nearly invisible on radar. Exactly what she needs if her plan is going to work. She limps towards it, one painful step at a time. Behind her, she hears the Walden roar to life and blast off into space. She doesn't look back. She can't afford to. In the viewport of the skiff, Newton's cannon grows larger and larger. Grace cuts all the power to the skiff, including life support, counting on the air circulator in her suit to keep her breathing. 
It only lasts for an hour, but that'll be long enough. If she isn't home free by then, well, she never will be. On silent wings, she coasts up to the giant cannon of Newton's hammer. Her suit picks up the tight beam comms from the station. Attention all personnel. Main cannon ignition will commence in T-minus five minutes. Please report to your stations. Attention all personnel. Five minutes? Grace knew she was low on time, but five minutes? Better get moving, Gracie baby. The nose of her skiff gently bumps into the airlock of the cannon. She has a plasma torch ready to cut her way in, but it turns out to be unlocked. Thank the stars for small miracles. Thirty seconds later, she has the skiff attached to the station, and she's pulling a hovering cart of metal crates through the airlock. Once inside, she seals it off again, and her helmet slides back into her collar. She takes a deep breath to clear her head. Four minutes to main cannon ignition, the announcement echoes all through the ship. Grace pushes her hovercart through the tight, spartan halls of the cannon. It's growing warmer by the second, and her skin prickles and tingles with a building energy. She knows the cannon's core is somewhere nearby, but nothing is marked. Three minutes to main cannon ignition. Finally, she finds it. A double-wide door marked with flashing red lights and stamped with the words, Danger! Do not enter! She pulls her blaster from its holster and melts the lock to slag. The door groans open, and Grace pushes the hover cart through. Inside is a spiderweb-like scaffolding that yawns over a glowing pit of energy. Far below, Grace can imagine the delicate circuitry of the cannon's reactor core, shielded by layer after layer of Dracoderm alloy. A blaster is pressed to the back of her head. That's far enough, says Enbridge. Bakken said you went home with your robot, but I knew Amazing Grace Green wouldn't give up. Now hands in the air and step away from the cart. Grace lets her blaster clatter to the ground and raises her hands. She thinks about making a move, but Enbridge pushes his blaster into the nape of her neck, and she knows she has no chance. Enbridge pulls a length of handcuff wire from her belt and seals her hands behind her back. When he's sure she's tied tight, he pushes her roughly to a sitting position against the wall. And what do you have in here? Enbridge asks, peering into the metal boxes on her hovercart. There's no explosive on the Walden or with Delion that could get through this much Dracoderm. Your plan was doomed from the start. Oh, and that reminds me. He flips a comm on his wrist. Tell Bakken I've captured Miss Green in the cannon's reactor core. She came aboard in a solar skiff, but I destroyed it while she was wandering the halls. Yes, I'll bring her to Bakken's chambers. Grace feels her blood run cold. Bakken's chambers. And no skiff to escape with. Maybe Chips was right. Maybe she just should have reported back to headquarters. Two minutes to main cannon ignition. So, continues Enbridge, let's see what kind of explosive you managed to dredge up. He opens one of the crates and laughs. Inside is a green, bucket-shaped leaf. It's easily the size of a keg, and it's filled halfway with a hazy liquid. Plants? Your plan was to bring in plants? You're not nearly as smart as I thought. He reaches down and pulls out the leaf bucket, grunting with effort. I wouldn't do that. Enough. If I wanted your opinion, I'd ask for it. He sniffs the leaf, nose wrinkling. It smells foul enough, I'll grant you that. He reaches his hand inside. Don't, cries Grace, but it's too late. Enbridge's finger dips into the murky water of the leaf, and he lets out a terrible scream. He throws the leaf away from him, where it splashes on the walkway, and dissolves it in seconds, acid-eaten metal raining onto the reactor below. My finger, Enbridge cries and Grace sees that his hand is down to four, his index finger nothing more than a smoking stub. My finger! 
He stumbles and falls to his knees, cradling his injured hand. Grace sees her chance. She tucks up her legs and brings down her hands so that they're in front of her again. Once that's done, she pulls them apart and holds the length of handcuff wire to a smoldering bit of the floor. In seconds, the leaf's water has eaten through the wire, and she's free again. One minute to main cannon ignition. Grace scoops her blaster from the floor and trains it on Enbridge. Stop the ignition now, or I'll dump this cart and melt the reactor to slag. Enbridge whines on his knees. I can't. Only Bakken has the controls. The calm on his wrist flashes to life. It's a worried-looking member of Bakken's guard. Enbridge? Bakken? Are you there? We have a problem. Not a word, Grace says, keeping her stun blaster trained on the major. What's the problem? says Bakken's voice. Delion's people haven't evacuated the planet. We're receiving a transmission from the surface. Transmission on screen. Myself and Enbridge only. Enbridge's wrist con flares and resolves into a new video. It's Delion and the rest, chained together around the standing stone, hand in hand, and they're singing. They're all singing. Come, come, the workmen gather. They come, come with saws and gas. Come, come, some men they'd rather see a world of steel and glass. Come, come, the trees are calling, so come, come and take their hand. Come, come, the movement's crawling, newly born to love the land. Come, come and stand, my people, we come, come with faith and pride. Come, come, the trees are steeple, and our church is green and wild, and our church is green and wild. Grace lets out a cheer. I knew it! I knew Delion wouldn't give up! Unfortunately, her joy is short-lived. This changes nothing, says Bakken over the comm. Commence firing in one minute. Ah, uh, sir, we have confirmed civilians on Moon. I said fire! Grace leaps over Enbridge and grabs the hover cart. She pushes it towards the melted edge of the catwalk and takes aim with her blaster and fires. The blast melts the hover cart's controls and sends it crashing down. When it hits the first layers of Dracoderm covering the core, it smashes and sends the leaf buckets flying. Gallons and gallons of the acidic water splashes out and eats down towards the core, sending up great hissing plumes of reeking steam like dragon smoke. 30 seconds to main cannon ignition. Grace grabs Enbridge and drags him from the room. We need a way off the station now. There isn't one. You destroyed the fighters and I destroyed your skiff. Bakken as the rest of the ships under heavy guard. So we're stuck? Not necessarily. Chips! I've got a lock on your location. Stand back from the exterior wall and make sure your helmets are fastened tight. Grace ushers Enbridge back and triggers the helmets on both of their ranger suits. Luckily for Enbridge, the suit sealed the gap where his finger used to be. Ten seconds to main cannon ignition. The wall in front of Grace glows red hot. Brace yourself, she yells into the Major's ear. The wall bursts, and there's a roaring rush of air as the atmosphere rushes into space. Grace and Enbridge are sucked along with it, and they tumble right into the open cargo door of the Walden, hovering just outside. As soon as they're on board, the door slams shut, and the Walden roars to life. Kick it, Chips! My pleasure, Captain. Behind them, Newton's hammer glows red with energy. 
Grace watches through the window in the cargo door. Enbridge's calm counts it down. Five seconds to main cannon ignition. Four, three, two, one. Come on, come on! Fire! Lines of glowing energy race up and down the cannon's edges. Newton's hammer glows brighter and brighter. The Walden twists in space as the edges of the gravity field bat it around like a cat toying with a mouse. The cannon flashes red and then starts to warp and shatter, recoiling in on itself as the core is eaten away by the burn buckets. With a final silent wrench, the entire cannon breaks off from the station and drifts away. Grace smiles at the shattered cannon and at the blue-green moon beyond. Wild and free. Grace turns from the window and sees Chips locking Enbridge into one of the wild animal cages in the cargo bay. You came back! What about the law? If the machine of government makes you be an agent of injustice, then I say, break the law. Good to have you back, buddy. You really saved me there. Ah, shucks, partner. I couldn't leave you high and dry with those varmints. Then, Delion's voice from the ship's comms. Grace, did you make it? I did, and I heard you singing. Yeah, well, the girls taught me the song, and it was so pretty, it seemed a shame to waste it. You did good, Delion. Not half as good as you. Will you come back to Lotaka? Maybe someday. But for now, we need to get Enbridge back to headquarters to stand trial for his crimes. What about Bakken? Newton's hammer is destroyed, and I'll have the planetary partnership out here for you in a few days. I bet he won't wait around for that. Thanks for everything, Grace. We can never repay you. Just take care of that moon, okay? You got it. Chips, take us home. Right away, Captain. The Walden thrums and bursts into warp speed, a new star in a sky full of stars, a bright and shining beacon to all those who live in the black depths of space, where starships travel faster than the law, and bold heroes eke out livings with the sweat of their brows and the triggers of their blasters. This star, this girl, is dedicated to protecting the universe and every creature in it. She is Amazing Grace, Princess of Space. The end. Today's story, Part 2 of Amazing Grace, Machine of Government, is an original work written by Daniel Hines and performed by me, Kelsey Lee, with songs by us both. If you would, <laughs> if you would like to get advanced access to exclusive content and receive a thank you in a future episode, please visit patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and tell us who we should thank. Thanks for listening.